simply multiple choice questions. And, and if you're given a survey, maybe after you eat, you know, on those little tabletop screens now, they ask you to take a survey. And many times there's multiple choice answers there. But one of the answers sometimes is this, none of the above. All right? It'll say A, B, C, or D, and a lot of times that bottom option will be none of the above, does not apply, none of the above. Listen, when, when it comes to serving, choosing God that we serve, there's not an option of none of the above. You're going to serve somebody. Come on now. You're going to serve somebody. There's not, there won't be a chance for you. I don't, I don't believe in God, and I don't believe in that. I'm just not going to serve anybody. No, you're going to serve somebody. And ever since the fall, when Adam and Eve fell and they sinned, that's been the struggle. Which God am I going to follow after? Which God am I going to serve? Am I going to serve the God that created me for a purpose? Or am I going to serve the God who's pulling at the fleshly side of my heart? Am I going to do my own thing? Or am I going to do God's thing? Now, there's this, this word here. It's called theism. That's acknowledging the existence of God. A, a philosopher named Peter Kreeft, he said that the opposite of theism, believing in God, is not atheism. It makes sense for us. We think, okay, an atheist doesn't believe in God, so that's the opposite of a theist. No, that's not true because the opposite of believing and acknowledging the existence of the one true God, it's not atheism. It's idolatry because even the atheists worship something. They worship themselves, thereby worshiping Satan. They worship, you know, you look around and, and, and see that there's these, these crazy churches of, of the house of bacon or worshiping bacon. I like bacon, but I don't worship ba bacon. There's, a, there's a, the church of the spaghetti God. You heard of that one? And it's all these, these atheists who have decided they're going to make fun of the church. All the while, they are really worshiping. Come on now. A God that's not real. You're going to worship something. You have to make a decision. Am I going to worship God who gave me breath, who gave me life, who gave me blessing, who gave me peace? Hallelujah. Or am I going to worship one of these other gods? That's what, that's what Joshua told him. You've got to make a decision. You've got to pick the God you're going to worship. The second thing he told him to do, pick the God you're going to worship, but then if it's the one true God, put away the other gods. Jesus said this. He said you can't serve two masters. It's either one or it's the other. Can I hear an amen? You can't serve both. You have to serve one or the other. You know, we're, we're, I've already talked about our dog. I tried to get her to drink some water yesterday. She just wanted it out of her certain bowl. She didn't want a big, huge pool of cool water. We're trying to train Molly right now, and it's, it's been a challenge, I'll tell you. Uh, I, I'm not a dog trainer by trade by any means, and, and we're trying to do some things. But see, the dog wants to do its nature, and I want the dog to do my will, Right? And those two things battle against each other. And, and, and she can't do both. So sometimes she, she's running after the chickens, you know. And sometimes she's running after the kids. And sometimes she sits when I tell her to sit. And other times she doesn't. And, and it's a battle there. But she's, she's struggling. She can't do both things at the same time. If you go back into the Old Testament, either before, even before Joshua, you know, the time when, when Jacob, you remember the story of Jacob and Rachel? He loved Rachel, right? 
And he served for her for seven years, and, and Laban deceived him and gave him Leah instead. And so then Jacob said, I'll serve you seven more years if you give me Rachel. And finally, he gets to marry the wife that he loves. And, 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 and then eventually, it's time for Jacob to leave. And he's like, okay, I'm going to get my wives and my children. We're going to leave Laban's house. But on, in the process of leaving, his wife Rachel grabs a god that her father worshipped. He, she grabs an idol and she carries it with her around from, from place to place. And Laban discovers that the idol that he has worshipped his entire life, it's missing. Somebody has taken it. So Laban and some of his servants, they, they saddle up their horses and their camels. And they go after Jacob and Rachel and Leah and all of their children. And, and they overtake them. And he says, Jacob, Laban says, Jacob, why have you stolen my gods? Why have you taken my gods? And Jacob, he's a servant of the one true God. He's looking around. He's like, listen, we, we haven't taken anything. If you find this God, you can kill whoever has taken it. Well, Jacob didn't know it was his wife, Rachel. So Laban ventures from tent to tent. Finally, he gets into the tent where Rachel is, and, and Rachel has, has hidden that, that uh, God, and he's, she sat on top of the place where she's hidden, it, and she makes an excuse why she can't get up. And so Laban leaves the tent, not knowing that it was Rachel all along who was stolen that God. Listen, Rachel's trying to juggle both gods. Come on now. And eventually, what she doesn't know is the God that she's hiding, trying to serve other than the one true God, is about to destroy or has the potential to destroy your life. Listen, you've got to make a decision today. Are you going to serve the God of your fathers? Are you going to serve the gods of this world? Or are you going to serve the Jehovah God? Amen. The one true God. Now, God, listen, you can't serve both because God is a jealous God. There's actually, that's a name for God. Did you know that? It says his name is Jealous. We, know, we think of Redeemer. We think of Jehovah Jireh, Je, Jehovah, uh, Jehovah Nisi and all that. But some, in the scripture it says his name is Jealous. It doesn't mean he's jealous of you. He's jealous for you. Come on now. I remember my, my mom, she really uh, liked 4 o'clock every day in the afternoon. She liked to watch Oprah when I was growing up. And so uh, she'd come in from work. She'd be like, okay, turn Oprah on. And sometimes I'd be in there sitting there. And I remember uh, vividly this one episode where Oprah was talking about her spiritual experiences. And she said, she said, I remember sitting in church and I heard the preacher say that God is a jealous God. And I thought, why would I serve God who's jealous of me? And I was like, Oprah, God is not jealous of you. He doesn't need your fame. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need any of your accomplishments. He doesn't need any of your awards. He wants your soul, not because he, he wants to have a tally and say, look, devil, I've got more souls than you, but he knows what's best for us. Hallelujah. And he doesn't want us to follow after false gods who are going to lead us down a path to destruction. He wants us to serve him so he can lead us to life eternal. Praise God. Now, this generation we live in, you know, generations past have been so committed to their places of business. I mean, you talk to somebody from the generation prior to mine, they'll say, yeah, I worked at the steel mill for 38 years, and I retired, and I worked there all my life. I worked at Ford Plant for 42 years, and I worked at this place. I worked at that place, and they were loyal, right? 
You look at uh, that generation past and they say, I would not move from Lorraine, Ohio because I loved my church. I, I wanted to stay at my church. They were loyal. But in this generation, there's one loyalty, and it's this, to keeping their options open. If they don't sing the right worship song, if the preacher doesn't preach the right message, I'll go down to the church down the street. If my boss looks at me funny, I'll get a new job. Listen, I know, I know there are times and circumstances when you got to move on to something different, right? Am I right? Come on. But loyalty is lacking in our world today. I can get a divorce. One preacher said I can get a divorce easier than I can get out of the contract for my washing machine. I mean, they're going to come after you if you don't pay your bills, right? But so many people are keeping their options open. You can't do that with God. You've got to put away, he said, the gods of your fathers. Put away the gods of those around us. Put away means this. It means to turn it off. And to depart from. Praise the Lord. You got to turn it off and walk away. I, I, there's a scene in the Christian movie Fireproof where Kirk Cameron, who's portraying a fireman, he's having a struggle in his marriage and he's struggling with pornography as well as other things and he's trying to make amends in the process of the, the movie. He's come to know Jesus as his Savior, yet he's still struggling with some character issues. And one day he's sitting at his computer. He's sitting there and he's being tempted to do wrong. And in that moment, something rises up within him. You know what he does? He rips that computer out of the wall, off the desk, takes it outside, puts it in the trash can bin, gets a baseball bat, and beats the smithereens out of it. Why did he do that? He was putting away, turning off the other gods. Hallelujah. Listen, we got to learn a way that we can do that. We've got to be able to walk away from the gods of this world. And I know, you're like, Brother Cruz, we're not worshiping the Hindu gods. We're not worshiping Buddha. It's not just about idols like that that you see. But there's idols in our lives, in our eyes that we need to put away. Things of this world. You know, when he said, put away the gods that your father served, he's talking to them about the, the way you were brought up. You know, the things that your father struggled with, maybe that you struggle with. Figure out a way to stop it where it is and turn away from it. Come on now. I've seen things, you know, maybe your dad was dealt with anger issues and that anger and, and maybe it was alcohol that became his God. Maybe it was lust. Put away that God. Turn it off. Get away from it. Hallelujah. Put away the gods around you. Speaks about resisting new gods. I don't know about you, but this culture wants you to worship at their thrones and at their altars. I remember when uh, one of my teachers in high school, she talked about how in the 1960s and 70s in their youth group, they, they uh, one Sunday night after church, they were like, hey, you guys want to go over to so-and-so's house? We're going to have a seance. And uh, they, they were, it was a new thing in that era. They didn't know anything about it. They didn't know it was bad. They're like, okay, cool, let's go have a seance. I mean, we know that's bad, right? Some of you weren't surprised at that, huh? But somebody finally heard about what they were doing. They're like, no, no, guys, listen, that's, that's, 
witchcraft and and you can't be a part of any of that but the culture was influencing their decisions and and trying to get them to be swallowed up by the things that were at that that time in vogue or or popular listen in our world that we live in things that that are popular you know little toys you can go to target go to walmart and you can buy a, a ouija board and and stuff like that for your little kids listen that's the stuff that this culture wants to get you to follow after instead of the one true god and we've got to break that, that desire and put that away. Hallelujah. Uh, Kyle Eidelman, he wrote a book called, called uh, The War of the Gods. And he talked about three categories of gods. Let me briefly go through them here. Then we're going to talk about something else. But he said that there, there are gods of pleasure. Okay? Food, lust, and entertainment. You know, people, people I, I, I've been at a church service where somebody got up and said, I am addicted to food. I'm addicted to that. I, it becomes my God. Others are addicted to lust and entertainment. They'll put everything on hold just for that moment of pleasure. And that's a God that you got to put away. He talked about gods of power. You know, some people make a God out of success, out of money, or out of achievement. Listen, I love finishing tasks, and I love being patted on the back. There are times when being admired, it's somewhat of my love language, if you will. But if it becomes a God in your life, you've got to put it away. You've got to find a way to get rid of it, get it out of your heart. And he talks about there's gods of love, romance, family, and then ultimately the God of myself. You know, I love me. I love my wife. I love my children. I, I, love, I love them. But if I put them over Jesus, I'm doing them a disservice. If I put my own self over Christ, I'm doing myself a disservice. So I've got to choose the right thing to do, and that's to worship the one true God, putting everything else away. Hallelujah. So they had to pick the God that they would worship. They had to put away the other gods. But then they have to permit God to take the throne of their hearts. You know, God... God is a gentleman, right? From the very get-go, from the very beginning, Adam and Eve were given a choice. God, God wanted them. He, were, he walked with them. He let them worship Him. They had unbroken fellowship, unbroken relationship. But He gave them a choice, all right? He gave them a choice. And He gives us a choice. Joshua went all the way back to the first call of Abraham. He said, Abraham was in the land of our fathers, even Terah. And Terah served other gods. But he heard the, Abraham heard the voice of God, said, Abraham, come out from among them. Follow after me into a land that I'll give you, and I'll give you this blessing and that blessing. He had to leave everything he knew to pursue a promise of a God he had never seen. All he knew was the false gods of his father, Terah. Now he hears the voice of the one true God. What does Abraham do? He follows that voice, and he didn't regret it. See, something has to take place, you know, of a void that exists when we put away false gods. Once you get this today, if you recognize in your own heart that there is a, an affinity or a desire, a love to follow or worship after a God that's different than the God, the God of gods, King of kings, and Lord of lords, listen, it's not just enough to stop doing wrong. 
you have to start doing right. I'm going to push aside this bitterness because it's become my pet sin. I've been worshiping that bitterness. I need to lay it aside. That's good. And you need to do that this morning. But then you've got to allow God to come in and heal and cleanse and give you joy instead of bitterness. Hallelujah. You've got to let something take the place of that void that those false gods create when you push them to the side. It was back in algebra in ninth or 10th grade. Pastor Clifford Hurst was our teacher, and he said, it's not enough if you, it was one of those pre-class devotions he was always famous for. He said, it's not enough to stop sinning. You've got you've to do something in sin's place. So you, so you can't just stop lusting. You've got to start praying. You can't just stop watching entertainment that's evil. You've got to start reading the Word of God. Come on now. Romans 13, 14, Paul put it this way. Yes, Joshua said, put away the gods, but the New Testament says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What does that mean to put on? It means to sink into a garment or to clothe oneself. Praise the Lord. That means you become enveloped, come on now, by the God that you serve. The moment sin entered into the heart of man, they realized something. They realized shame and that they were naked. But the Bible says that we can be clothed in the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. What does that mean? When you choose God, He covers the shame of sin with His grace and with His mercy. Listen, there will be those who will not understand your commitment. We are told that the world would hate us if we follow Jesus. Why? Because the world knows him not. But if you allow God to become the king of your heart, hallelujah, there will be a greater blessing in return than you can ever imagine. He talked to them in the book of Deuteronomy. He said, you'll be blessed when you go out. You'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you plant seed. You'll be blessed when you reap the harvest. Hallelujah. You'll be blessed all around and inside of and without and within. Praise the Lord. Why? Because you have put allowed God to become your entire life. And then David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. If you've made a God out of your job, if you've made a God out of money, if you've made a God out of success, if you've made a God out of yourself, you need to put that to the side and come under the, the, the submission to the King of Kings. And He will bless your life in greater ways. I, I, I had a conversation with a man, Brother Gary Norris. Any of y'all know Brother Gary Norris? Brother Norris, he's preached here. He preached here a long time ago. He, he, uh, he passed away with, with cancer um, about 12, maybe 13 years ago, maybe more than that now. But my brother-in-law, it, he, Brother Norris, was his pastor, and Katie and I were living in Neosho, Missouri at the time in Bible school. My brother-in-law and I went to Tulsa to visit Brother Norris in the hospital. And we didn't know that that was his deathbed. We didn't know that he was going to die. But we went to pray for him and encourage him. And I'll tell you what. We left encouraged by him. And we had a conversation with him. And my brother-in-law was, was just really bearing his soul to him about the current state of our nation during that season. And Brother Norris said, listen. He's like, I know all these things are bad around us. 
He's like, but your son's going to eat because God said he'd provide for his people. We don't have to worry. God is still God. He's still on the throne. Listen, when you commit your life to Christ, when you give your life to Jesus, when you put away this culture's God, when you put away the false gods that your family before you has served, you, you will reap the benefits of blessing in your life. Joshua gave them that warning. If you go after other gods, you're going to face trials. You're going to become submissive to other nations. You're, you're going you're gonna to regret what you're doing. But if you choose to serve the Lord, you will have blessings. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen, there have been things I've given up for a season or there have been things I've given up for the entirety of my life that were idols that I needed to remove and I haven't regretted one time giving it up. And you won't either because the Lord's faithful. Stand with me if you will. Sister Jones, will you come to the piano today? Pick the God you want to serve. Put away the false gods. But permit God to have the throne of your heart. Maybe it's a moment right here in this, in this sanctuary for you just to do some soul searching. Are there things in my life that I've allowed to take the place of God? Joshua told them, put those gods away. And this is what, what happened. You, you go real quick into the book of Judges. Talks about how Joshua died and all the elders died after him. And the next generation came up having not seen or known the miracles of God. They began to marry the Canaanites. Then they began to serve their gods. Sure, they had places they could go, altars they could go and worship the God that brought them to promised land. But in their daily routine, worshiping of false idols became the norm. And they were taken out into captivity time and time again. Ruled over by foreign nations that they had power to control or power to be victorious over. Listen, when you don't, when you don't serve God with all of your heart, you become a slave to the things that you despise. That's true. You become a slave to, to lust. You become a slave to work. You become a slave to admiration. A slave to drugs. A slave to this. slave to that. You can fill in the blank. But if you choose to follow Jesus, you know what you get? You get a God who can carry you through any situation. You get a God who gives you life. You get a God who, who will speak to you. Amen. As Brother James talked about in our time of prayer, he talked about how it's not just our worship, but God responds to that. That's the benefit of the Lord being the king of your heart. You get a God who delivers and a God who provides, a God who has answers, and a God who fulfills there's another thing about God that's always, always amazing to me. You get a God who, no matter how far you walk away, He wants you to come back. Isn't that awesome? A God who takes you back. I don't know how many times as a teenager I made commitments to the Lord and then walked away. 
Not that I totally backslid, but I strayed from my faith a little bit. I feel that nudge. You need to get back in line, son. You need to get back to where you need to be. Listen, maybe somebody in here this morning, you in your heart, you desire to serve God. But in moments of weakness, you followed after other things that were wrong. The beautiful thing about our Lord is He offers you that decision to come back to Him time and time again. In the book of Judges, what did the people of God do? 20 years, they're under the thumb of Moab. 18 years, they're under the, the thumb of this guy. They're under the rulership of this guy. Eventually, they call out to God, repent. And He gives them deliverance. And then He gives them rest, offering them an opportunity to stay on the straight and narrow path this time around. And God can do that for you today. I want you to bow your heads. Jesus, I love you. Thank you, Lord, for this word that you've given us today. Thank you, God, that you give us our free will. But, Lord, you also instruct us how to use that will. God, I pray today that every one of us would serve you, follow you, follow your heart. Not our hearts, but follow your heart. God, you desire what's best for your people. And I know that there are times of persecution. There are times of suffering when we follow you. But Lord, you walk us through it all. And God, you use those moments of, of heartache and grief to bring us closer to you and also help others find you. So Lord, I pray right now for those who are struggling with choosing to serve you that they will make an undivided decision that they will follow you with their entire hearts. God, solidify those commitments today. I love you, Jesus. I praise you. Lord, the one who's struggled, who's walked away from you, maybe, maybe they've just, they haven't acted out on the sin, but it's in their heart and it's in their mind. I pray right now, let them repent of that and find grace and mercy. Keep them from harm right now. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Everyone that will, come. Find yourself a place to pray around the altars. Please spend some time just giving, dedicating your life completely to the Lord. Surrender it all. Surrender it all. Maybe you've made a God out of the dream that you have. And the dream hasn't resulted in what you thought. And all of a sudden, you're heartbroken and defeated. Well, let God bring healing there and give you a new dream. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, He's a God of mercy, a God of grace. He's not slack concerning His promises. But if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's serve the Lord with our hearts today.